Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. The story is told of a little boy who had been sent to his room because his mother saw that he had uh, been behaving poorly, made some poor decisions. Little boy went to his room and shortly thereafter came out. And he said to his mother, Mother, I said a prayer. She said, You did, did you? Well, you know, God will help us when we are not at our best behavior. And he goes, Oh, no, Mom, I didn't pray that He would make me better. I pray that He'd give you the grace to put up with me a little longer. I think at some point or another, we've all prayed a prayer like that. Maybe not that specific one. We often pray that, not that we are more better behaved, but that others would put up with us a little more. And to be honest with you, many times, you know, we pray prayers that allow us to stay at the same place we were in the beginning. Causing everyone else to Move or causing everyone else to think about what they're doing wrong or what they have done wrong. And well, many of us have prayed prayers that are like that. But I believe also that many of us have prayed unspoken prayers. Many of us have prayed prayers that have never, uh, have never reached the ears of God because we have said to ourselves, that's a little too big to pray or that's a little beyond my reach or I don't really have enough faith to pray that kind of prayer. And I love what Beth Moore once said. She said, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats in darkness that will come by no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Some things just won't happen without really going after what it is you see the need for. And oftentimes, we are the same way in that, you know, we we think to ourselves, well, you know, I really am not going to pray that prayer because God really won't hear that. You'd be surprised what God hears. Don't tell him what he can and can't hear. Don't tell him what he can and can't do. We learned in... Mark chapter 9 in the opening of this series that the father, a father I should say, came to Jesus and he said these words, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. The part of me that wants, there's a part of me that wants to believe and has faith and there's other parts of me that just can't seem to get a grip of faith. This series We called it unbelievable. And this part of the series today, part three, we're calling it Help Me Believe in Big Prayers. Help Me Believe in Big Prayers. I think one of the biggest reasons we struggle to believe God for great prayers is that we haven't experienced God in big answers. Because I think sometimes if we prayed big prayers and God answers them, then we're bold enough to go into the next prayer. And bold enough to go to the next prayer. 
and bold enough to go to the next prayer. But because we never started with a big prayer, some of us pray just enough prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Like I have just enough faith to believe for this. Or just enough faith to believe for that. Or better yet, I'm going to pray a prayer that I can meet myself without needing God. I can pray a prayer that I can do myself, right? And I don't need God to meet. So therefore, everyone else is encouraged. I'm encouraged. I feel better about myself. And we still feel like God gets the praise. But is God really getting the praise when you pray a prayer that you met yourself? What did he do? Your talent, your skill, your ability, your gift did it all. Where is God in the whole thing? So I believe that our faith is strengthened when we pray prayers that we can't answer ourselves. I believe we're better for it. I believe that the unbelievable things happen when we pray prayers that we can't do ourselves. Help me believe in big prayers. Help me believe in big prayers. I want to talk to you about praying big prayers today. You see, I don't believe that God sent his son so that you could survive. I don't believe for a single moment that God sent you into the world so you can just barely get by. I believe he called you to change the world. I believe God called you to rescue somebody right from the cusp of hell. I believe God called you to rescue somebody from the struggle that they find themselves in, that they themselves put themselves in. You see, that's what I do daily as a husband. And that's what I try to do as a father and teach my children to believe God to help them change the world. See, I don't know about you, but the goal of faith isn't to take away your fears, but to leverage those fears to create a bolder belief in God. My goal is not to sit on my fears, but to use those fears as a catapult to believe God for bigger things. I'm afraid. Well, that's a good place to be at sometimes because it helps you trust in God in ways you couldn't have before. Faith leads you past your fears and reassures you that God and his presence is there. Someone once said this, if you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to perform. If you have the audacity To ask God for something, he has the ability to perform it. I'm telling you right now that sometimes God gets in the way to show us the way. Sometimes God gets in the way to show us the way. God God performs the most impressive feats using the most unimpressive people. In the most unlikely of places. That is why I stand before you today. Unlikely people. Unimpressive people. Doing things for God. Because my friend. It's not about you. Stop thinking it's about you. Because God is more impressed with your obedience. Than he is your skill set. He is more impressed with your obedience than he is. Your skill set. Case in point, Joshua chapter 10. Turn there with me, would you? As we talk about 
believing God with big prayers. There are few prayers in the Bible that are as big as this one. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on your screen. But if you have your Bibles, please turn there to Joshua chapter 10 and look at this with your own eyes. You need to see this. Because every week we've been talking about big, miraculous things that God has done. Unbelievable things that he has done. Because people have stepped out and prayed or believed for bigger things. Joshua chapter 10. Now Adani Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. We're at verse 1. Doing to Ai and its king as he, did done, as he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. Okay, so Gibeon and the Israelites were allies. You follow me? Gibeon, right? Let's say Gibeon's here. You got the Israelites here and they were allies. This king had got word that Joshua had taken Ai and he said, we can't let this go any further. So he does something that is to his benefit, does everything he can in his benefit to, uh, to secure his situation. So here we are. We find ourselves in verse 2. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai. And all its men were good fighters. So Adani Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hohem, king of Hebron. Bear with me here. Piram, king of Jarmuth. Japhia, king of Lachish. And Debir, king of Eglon. There's a bunch of names if you're going to name a kid anytime soon. <laughs> going to help you out there. I'm sure the teachers would appreciate that years down the line. I'm going to close in prayer any moment. Wow, that was just immense. Verse 4. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said. Because it has been made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So, then these five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all of their troops and took up positions against Gibeon. And they attacked it. The, Gibeonite, uh, the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. That's where Joshua was, Gilgal. And he says this, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us, help us. Because all of the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. You see what's happening here? Five kings and their countries were going up against um, against this country here. And so all of a sudden, they're calling on... Uh, they're calling on Joshua to come and help them. And he says, help us, help us, don't forsake us. Verse 7, so Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all of the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua this, watch this, he said this, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. How many would love to hear that from the Lord? 
right? That's a promise right there. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. When he says he threw them, obviously, it was all the five armies there. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down the way to Azekah and Makeda. And, and they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah. And the Lord hurled, watch this, the miracle's not over. In fact, the full miracle hasn't even come to fruition yet. He says this, it says this, it says, The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord had given the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. And it was as it was written in the book of Jashar. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Friends, everybody say this with me. Say unbelievable. This is an unbelievable passage. When you look at it and you think about it, you see, you see God's intervention assuring an army. Listen, I know there's five countries against you. I know there's five kings. I know there's five armies. I know that. But you're going to win. Because God plus one is always the majority. God plus one is always the majority. The text says that suddenly after marching all night from Gilgal, Joshua had surprised them. Did you know that from Gilgal to Gibeon was a distance of 27 miles? They had gotten word and they walked the entire night to get there. 27. Seven miles. We are inconvenienced by 27 minutes drive to the grocery store. Right? How many have ever been inconvenienced by that little drive to Wally World or Walmart? Right? Inconvenience. You mean I got to drive three miles to the local grocery store? Inconvenience. They marched 27 miles because they were committed to the ones that they, they have allies with. The people that they have committed themselves with, they have committed a 27 mile walk to defend and protect those they uh, have come into um, unity with. So, how do you explain 27 miles overnight? Well, I would probably say there's a bit of supernatural strength happening in this situation. There's a bit of uh, resilience and, uh, and a lot of supernatural. See, Joshua needed more daylight and so we see a lot of different things happening here. Not only did they march 27 miles, but then there's hail. Right? There's hail showed up. 
You know, it's a bad day when you're fighting and hail hits you in the head. It's just a bad day. Right? So the army's fighting. They're fighting. And what's a miraculous thing is not just the hail. The hail itself is a miracle. But guess what? None of the Israelites were struck. None of them were stricken by it. None of them were hurt. And so all of the bad guys get hit with hail. And then that's not enough. Somebody say, give me more miracles. So this is what happens. They need more time. How many ever need more time? Some of you are going to pray sun stand still at some point before Christmas. Sun stand still. I don't, I need, I need more time to shop. Right? I wish sun stand still during Thanksgiving sometimes. So I can have more turkey. I didn't pray that way because it was selfish. And it was a bit of gluttony. But, but you know that at some point, we're looking at miracle after miracle after miracle, right? We're looking at this thing. And all of a sudden, he says, I need more time. How many ever prayed like that before? I need more time. Especially when someone passes unexpectedly. I need more time. So he, you know, it's interesting. The Bible, the Bible didn't say that he spoke to the son. The Bible says he spoke to the Lord and he said to the Lord and he said, son, stand still. Why? Because your eyes have to be on God when you're praying big prayers. Your direction has to be told the Lord when you're praying big prayers. And so he said, son, stand still. Moon, stay right where you are. And what happens? They, they, that was what they needed to fight the battle. Now, we know scientifically that the earth orbits around the sun, not the sun around the earth. You're not the center of the universe. Hello? Contrary to what some people may have told you. I'll leave that to them and you to work it out. But of course, Joshua didn't understand that in his day. But what exactly happened on that day? Well, let me tell you something. As far as the sun and the moon standing still... How many would agree that it's contrary to nature? Right? Contrary to nature. But what are the laws of nature exactly except a process which God has set into motion? So, because he sets it into motion and because he is sovereign, he can alter, suspend, reverse, circumvent, and even cancel those processes at any time, he should show choose. So the miracle is, when some usual pattern of nature is changed or interrupted, that is usually a miracle. When something that's supposed to happen by every fact and every bit of knowledge doesn't happen. Doctors are very careful to say, the word miracle sometimes. Sometimes they have no choice. It's not unreasonable to think for a moment that God would, he himself, <laughs> do you think for a moment he would become prisoner of his own processes to which he put into play? Do you think for a moment that God would imprison himself by his own process? No, absolutely not. If he's sovereign king of the universe, he does what he must do. 
and what he should do. See, I love this because you must listen to the word. You must listen to the God of this Bible. Why? Because I am a firm believer that it's the voice you believe that will determine the future you experience. The voice that you believe will determine the future that you experience. Media team, help me out. We understand this to be true because when we experience something great, we oftentimes have heard to the, we have listened to the right voice. Oftentimes when we experience great things, it's because we believe the right voice. See, when we pray, remember this, the love of God wants what's best for us. The wisdom of God knows what's best for us. And the power of God can accomplish it. The love of God wants what's best for us. The wisdom of God knows what's best for us. And the power of God is what we need to accomplish it. Friend, if you live your life powerless, don't shortchange your Christianity. God has designed you to have power in this life. Can somebody say amen? You see, the wisdom of God allows us to pray bold prayers. It allows us to forecast what God can do. Not what, just what we're doing and what we're experiencing. See, the natural, the here and now. The here and now wants to live in the here and now and stay in the here and now. The wisdom of God sees beyond our natural eye. And sees even behind. Look where you've been. I may not be where I should be, but I'm not where I was before. Because the wisdom of God allows us to see the moments that we have gone through and experienced. And say, you know what? God brought me through that. He's going to bring me through this. You can list out for the enemy every single time God has brought you through. Has he ever brought you through something? Has he ever brought you through something? You go ahead and list those things out. And you deliberately list those things out loud enough for the enemy to hear. God has brought me through this. And God has brought me through this. And I know he can bring me through this. Why? Because the voice we believe will determine the future we experience. See, if you can trust God when the answer is no, because he says no. Friends, look at me. God says no sometimes. I know there's preachers that preach on pulpits. God wants everything good for you. And everything you pray, God will give you. No, not every time. Or you would have received every single prayer you've ever prayed. There are things that I did not know I was not supposed to pray. But I prayed them anyway. And I didn't get the answer. The answer was no. I didn't get the answer I wanted at least. But there's always an answer. God answers every prayer. Make no mistake. Sometimes the answer is no. Some preachers want to make everybody feel good and tell you that he answers every prayer and he say yes to everything. I don't know about you, but he's not a Santa Claus in the sky or genie in a bottle. He's sovereign God of the universe. And there's times I pray things that I, God has no business getting involved in. And so I have to reset. Okay, God, you didn't want that. I get it. But let me, let me submit something to you this morning. Can I submit something to you? Good, because I was going to. 
If you can trust God when he says no, you're likely to give him praise when he says yes. If you can trust God when he says no, you are likely to give him praise when he says yes. Here's my thought. I believe that oftentimes we have a lot of prayers unanswered the way we want because we have a lot of quick last minute 11th hour prayers that never sought the will of God. And when those don't get answered, we get discouraged. Never sought the face of God, only the hand of God. We seek his hand, never seek his face. And when when he doesn't meet us, then we say, God, where were you? God says, I never moved. I've been here the whole time. You just never came. You see, once upon a time early in my faith walk, I would pray prayers like slot machine. Play slot machine prayers. I pray them like this. Lord, uh, that, hoping that I'd get this answer prayer, perfect time, perfect answer, and I did it at the right time. Hopefully I was good enough that week that he could hear me, right? We kind of roll, it's my luck, luck of the draw, here we go. And all of a sudden I'm hoping to roll sevens, I'm hoping to get all apples. What? at the end of the day, that's not how God operates, It's never been about the timing. It's always been about the position. God will work the timing out if your position's right. He'll work the timing out. Just get the position right. You get the Mary Martha situation that always happens in the church. One that's working, 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 working. Jesus, would you please just tell them to get to work? And Jesus says, she's chosen right. She's at my feet. She knows exactly what needs to happen right here, right now. That's why we're a church that operates and understands that God God moves in gifts. He wants to pour out in people's lives. Why? How? When? That's all up to him. As long as we're in his presence to start. Let that be the beginning. Let that be ground zero. His feet. That's ground zero. Always and forever. Ground zero. The feet of Jesus. And from there... The timing, the prayers, the concern of, is it the right time? Is it this, that, and the other? There's some people that have been in the faith their whole life, and they can't pray out loud a single time. Either they're afraid, they're afraid because they might say something wrong. I want you to know something. If you're praying sincerely in the heart of God, you can't say anything wrong. And here's a newsflash. Even if you think you did, you won't shock him. He's heard it all. I've heard people with sincere hearts swear in a prayer. I'm not saying do that by no stretch, but I am saying their heart was sincere. I mean, sincere. If you got nothing going for you, sincere is important. You just got to shed a little grace on them. Lord, season that, season that, Lord. I've prayed in parks with people. They're about knocked out drunk. Prayed with them. It's amazing after the prayer how sober they become. The work of the Holy Spirit, man. Why? Because when you're in the right place at the right time, 
God works all those details out. You know what I'm talking about? Because I believe a certain voice. See, God is not great just because nothing is too big for him. God is great because nothing is too small for him. That means your itty-bitty prayer about that itty-bitty need that you think is too itty-bitty to ask him for. He actually cares about that. What I'm saying this morning is not to just only pray big prayers. I'm saying he's good because he hears all prayer. But sometimes we don't see God move because we settle and we camp out in the little prayer world. I found this interesting. There's a a Swedish island. And the name of this Swedish island is actually very tricky to say. So forgive me if I say it wrong. But it's a Swedish island called Visinsko. Very specific there. In this Swedish forest there, there's, um, there's a mysterious forest of oak trees. And it's mysterious because the oak trees are not indigenous to the island. And so its origin was unknown for more than a century. Then in 1980, the Swedish Navy received a letter from the Forestry Department reporting that the requested ship lumber was ready. So the Navy didn't even know what it had ordered. And so after a little historical research, it was discovered that, get this, in 1829, the Swedish Parliament, recognizing that it takes oak trees 150 years to mature, anticipated a shortage at the turn of the 21st century. So they ordered 20,000 oak trees to be planted and delivered to that island at that time. So, 1829, Swedish Parliament ordered 20,000 trees. How'd that delivery guy, how'd that go? I got your 20,000 trees. Where do you want me to put it? <laughs> 20,000 trees in anticipation, understanding that they'll come, they'll come a time when they'll need more trees. They'll come a time where that'll be needed. Listen, there has to be a premeditated thought in your mind that God has given you. There has to be something that you're praying for right now that though you may not receive it right now, watch this, you may not receive it right now, you need to pray it right now. It may not come next week. It may not come five years from now. It may not come 10 years from now. But guess what? In 20 years, you'll see why you prayed. You'll see why you prayed what you prayed, my friend. And you'll say, that day, I prayed. Something shook the heavens. Something happened. What if the parliament had not saw this and just let it ride and all of a sudden they have no trees? The oak trees were ordered 150 years plus before. Listen, I'm here to tell you something. Joseph had a dream. And that dream didn't come true for 17 years. So my advice to Joseph's out there, just hold on. Sarah prayed for years for a baby. My advice to the Sarahs out there, just hold on. The children of Israel, 
cried out for God to deliver them for 423 years. They prayed for a deliverer. My advice to God's people out there, friends, just hold on. It's not going to happen next week sometimes. You're praying prayers. You have no idea what they're sowing into right now. You, you have no idea what kind of prayers. Look at me for a moment. I need you to understand something. God wants you to pray big prayers and prayers that are bigger than you. Prayers that you can't fulfill on your own. I took the liberty of writing down a few long-term requests, goals, things that I have set up for myself. And I had to write them down. I was challenged to do so. And I did that. So I want to share a few of those with you today. Can I share just a few of them with you today? Some are short term. A little more short term. Some are long term. But, but they are, in essence, they're all future goals. So let me read a few to you. Number one, take all my kids on missions trips. I want to take all of my kids on missions trips. I want to pay for my three kids college so they can graduate and not have that weight over their head and they can do what God has called them to do. I want to celebrate at least 50 year wedding anniversary. I want to be, I want to say that I was married to my wife 50 years and then some, I'm not sure she wants to be married to me for 50 years, but my goals are minimum of 50 years. Word on the street is she does want to be. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle at her wedding. I want to walk in Israel. I want to walk the streets that Jesus walked. I want to be debt free by 45, which gives me about 20 years. You did not need to laugh that loud. I want to write 10 books. I want to sell over 100,000 copies. My goals. I have to start on one first. I want to help plant 10 churches. I want to plant 10 churches. I want to be a part of planting 10 churches. I want to give away a million dollars as a church in a year. I want to give away to missions a million dollars in a year. That's amazing. That's absurd. That is what? There you go. I got a time to answer some tears. Anybody else want to say something? I want to give away a million dollars because I believe Jesus has a lot to do on this earth still. And I want to grow freedom to over 3,000 people in three campuses. Those are my dreams. They don't have to be yours. But there's souls to be won. There's souls to be won. And though some of these are a little more personal to me, that maybe other people won't benefit, I believe if God gives me something to write and it benefits somebody, it'll benefit his kingdom. Giving to missions, planting churches, Those are all things that are in my heart. That if I don't write them down, if I don't hold myself accountable to them, I'm not accomplishing any of them. So what's your sun stand still list look like? What's your list look like? Because if you haven't written it down, there's a good chance you're not moving in that direction. 
Write them down. Make it plain. Understand that God has laid out a vision for you. Write it down. Do something. Write it in the leaflet of your Bible. Do something. Because 150 years from now, somebody say, what did you pray? What did you believe for? And you're going to say, well, I didn't see it coming. Friends, listen, there's a time for sitting and waiting. And there's a time for starting to write down and say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And God is asking you to pray big prayers. Stop sitting on your hands wondering who is going to help you get there. Because the one that is going to help you get there has already told you about the dream. That's why it's in your heart. I want you to know something. God has put a standstill prayer in your life. You just need to respond to it. I want to share a story with you for a moment. Can I do that? Because you need to dream better, bigger, think longer, write it down. There's a couple named Wayne and Diane. Wayne and Diane found out that they were expecting their first child, so they started praying for their baby. Every evening, Wayne would lay hands on Diane's stomach and pray promises in Scripture that they had circled on their Bible. Saying, that's the prayer I want to pray over my children. During the early stages of the pregnancy, they came across a book that said, it's never too early to start praying for your baby's future spouse. And at first it seemed odd to pray for a spouse when they haven't even had their first child. And so they started to do what the book said to do. Wayne and Diane decided to wait until birth to discover their baby's gender. But they prayed that God would reveal what the baby's name should be. In October 1983, the Lord gave them a girl's name. Jessica. Jessica jumped out. Then in December, the Lord gave them a boy's name. Timothy. They weren't sure why God had given them two different names, but they prayed for both. Jessica and Timothy. They figured if it's a girl, Jessica. If it's a boy, Timothy. Until Diane gave birth, they prayed. On May 5th, 1984, God answered their prayers. And the answer was in the form of a boy they named Timothy. Wayne and Diane continued to pray, but they also began praying for the girl that he would one day marry. 22 years later, on May 19, 2006, the day Timothy's bride walked down the aisle, her name was Jessica. It gets better. Their future daughter-in-law was born on October 19th, 1983. The same month that God gave them the name Jessica. A thousand miles away, Wayne and Diane were praying for her by name. They thought Jessica would be their daughter. Not their daughter-in-law. But God always has a surprise up his sovereign sleeve. Friend, I want to tell you something. God inspires you. When you ask of him. And God inspired prayers. Make God inspiring impact. God inspired prayers. Make God inspired impact. So what am I saying to you today? I'm telling you that the enemy. Wants to distract you. From praying big prayers. He wants to distract you from making an impact. And in fact. He wants, he, he wants to destroy you. 
by causing it to be difficult for you to detect when he's distracting you. The devil wants to steal your power and neutralize your impact. But say it with me, greater is he. Greater is he. I'm telling you today, what if you started praying prayers that would rain down blessings for years and years to come because you were obedient when he said to pray. See, we don't understand what we're praying sometimes when we pray. We think we understand, but God sees the big picture. And I'm telling you, for every one of you, the sound of my voice, every time he's put something in your heart and it benefits other people, it's not your flesh and it's not the enemy. Are you hearing me? If what is in your heart, you say, I don't know if this is God or not. I don't know if it's God or not. Well, do the test. If, it, if, it's, if it's pleasing to your flesh, if it's helping other people, they're usually in conflict with each other. If it helps other people, there's a good chance that it wasn't your flesh. If it helps save other people or bring other people to Jesus, guess what? It's not the devil. Don't you give him that credit. He's never been about God's business. He's always been about his own. I'm telling you right now, pray big prayers and release yourself from this burden of feeling like you have to be the one to answer it. Can I encourage you for a moment? Pray a sun stand still kind of prayer. Pray an unbelievable prayer that will cause you to say, man, there's no way I can do this, but I'm so stoked. I don't know about 10 books. I can't see that happening. But it's not my job to see it happen. It's just to believe that it will happen. You know why? Because I settled with this. If I had a grain of mustard seed and I put it in the palm of my hand, is it going to grow there? But if I take that seed and I put it in the ground, can it grow there? Why? Because it's not in whose hand it's in, it's where you're putting it. And I put my faith not in my own hand. I put it in the ground and the soil and the place where God said planted. And every time you pray, you're asking God, take this and do something with it. Right? It's not about my hand. It's about putting it in his. Amen? Can I ask you right where you're at to just bow your heads for a moment? God, thank you for big prayers. Thank you that we are going to pray prayers. They're going to change the world. God, thank you for allowing us to dream. When our flesh says no, and our flesh doesn't understand, and our flesh backs off, our, our spirit man draws near. Help us to believe you for great things. Help us to trust you and be inspired by your word. Help us to pray 150 years ago prayers. We would see the harvest. God, I pray for those unsaved loved ones that we've been praying for. I pray for friends and family that have been needing healing and a touch. Those that have been kneeling a needing, needing a job or a situation that is beyond their control. God, we lift them up to you. And we pray miraculous things will happen in their lives. I ask you in Jesus' name.
pour out your spirit that we can pray the way you want us to pray. Not a comfortable, relaxed, casual prayer. But God, thank you that we can pray big, bold, audacious prayers. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.